Hey everyone, it's Mariah and Danny. Welcome to our podcast, Behind Behavior, where we take a look at the science behind behavior and how we actually use it in real life. Short disclaimer, nothing we say on this podcast in any way reflects the opinions of our employers or the BACB. All opinions are our own. Also, there may or may not be some explicit language in this episode. One of us tends to swear, and the other one usually doesn't. Join us to find out. Welcome back to another episode of Behind Behaviors. Mariah, you brought a friend today. I did. I have my friend Annie. Well, I feel like she's our friend. Yeah, I think me and Mariah definitely got to know each other a little bit more in grad school, but. Yeah, just because I wasn't in the clinic, but I definitely remember meeting Mm -hmm. you a couple of times outside of school. Yeah, probably at Pinch. Pinch. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Pinch. <laughs> oh, right? sad. That's super upsetting. Um, for anybody who is unfamiliar with the Southern <laughs> Illinois area, Pinch is just a college dive bar. Yeah, nothing real spectacular, but it was to us. Anyways, today we have Annie talking on the podcast about being a telehealth bcba and everything that that involves but before we get into the good juicy details annie can we have you introduce yourself a little bit more of course of course i am annie (laughs) i uh went to school with these two and Got my undergrad at Southern Illinois University and same with my graduate degree in behavior analysis and therapy and um, did a lot of work with peak relational frame theory Um, and we did a lot of stuff that maybe wasn't totally just for kids with autism I think we had a lot of uh um training and behavioral philosophy there which I really appreciate and which I think is really shaped a lot of my my time as a BCBA but when I graduated and I graduated in May of 2020 mid-pandemic so when the pandemic started in March of 2020 I was in the middle of 20 hour research assistant position at a school, a 20 hour clinical position, and then writing my thesis. So my work at the school stopped and I, we did parent training for the clinic and uh, we had to figure out how to do that without being in person. So those last few months were telehealth and mostly parent training and once I graduated and started my new job I started in June of 2020 like the end of June and it was in home so there was a lot of parents and families who didn't want people coming into their homes during this time and some did but there was a few who I did telehealth as the parent being my proxy, like I was telling them the programs and 
showing them how to implement these ABA procedures, which in turn worked out really well because, you know, RBTs can do some things, but the parents are there all the time. So it was, that's all, all we could do with these kids who were immunocompromised and we had to work with them, especially with the ones with intense maladaptive behaviors. So throughout those two years and my first non my first job in home, I worked directly with a client who had developmental delays in relational learning, specifically uh, expressive and transformative relations. And we worked on uh, the transformation module in peak mostly. And throughout those services, we just did telehealth. So um, we would get on a Zoom and basically do peak programs for two hours. Dang, two hours? Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. It was it was a really long session, especially it was like me and this 14-year-old, but she was so motivated just by getting correct answers. It, oh, good. It worked out. It was a really specific client that this worked with. Yeah, I had basically had to teach myself how to do peak through a computer, which is not even something that we did at the clinic. So, yeah, we did just a ton of expressive work. And yeah, I I miss that client. She was great. <laughs> um <laughs> it was such a great community and it really helped me push myself to learn more just being in a time where I think in our field, we had never had to experience anything like this where we couldn't do our job. And our job is so interpersonal and very, um, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. It definitely helped me push myself to learn more, but my in-home has its own hardships. I think I was driving for two hours some days. And mm -hmm. I had hour long commutes, um, driving from opposite ends of Denver, which was kind of a, an outlier situation, but, you know, we're trying to help all, all that we can. And I think being with a non-for-profit, you're like, I'm, a, you know, doing this thing because I love it. Not because I need money, but like we need money. And Absolutely. I was spending <laughs> You can't Gosh, be a I was, martyr. <laughs> no, I know. I was filling up my tank like at least once a week mm -hmm. and not even mileage is going to pay for that. So cost of living is so high in Denver that we had a terrible time hiring staff. And I ended up doing practices that I, I don't know if I would do now, you know, not enough hours. I was doing the direct care and I was just getting so frustrated and didn't really feel a ton of support. So yeah, this com this company that I work for now, they, they sought after me, offered me a lot of money to work from home. <laughs> I was, it was a blessing in disguise for sure. So do you feel like you're more fit for the cost of living in Denver now based off mm -hmm. of still doing telehealth? Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think just like without the bonus, like we have a whole very intensive bonus plan, which is awesome. And we can earn an uncapped amount of bonus 
uh, throughout the year, which is really cool. And I think I had a $14,000 pay raise with this new company. Yeah. I was Dang, getting paid nice. crap at my other company, but when we graduated, that was pretty typical what I was earning at my previous company. I took a little bit of a pay cut working for a not-for-profit. So I'm like, mm. I don't want to work for a corporation, but <laughs> just because they're well, a non corporation pays the bills. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So the job you have now, would it be comparable to like a clinic, but you're just virtual a hundred percent or is it I, in home? It's in home. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So basically what happens is that either we would like the parents to provide a second device and I'd email them a Teams link and they'd hop on when it was their time. And then the RBT would like carry me around <laughs> where the session is going. Nice. Um, that's kind of how it looks like now. Also, sometimes the technicians have their phones and will be on just kind of record while they're doing their stuff or put it up and then take data. But mm -hmm. it's best practice two devices one to take data on and then one one for me to be on I'm like it's funny because I'm like bring me with you or you can leave <laughs> me here I wish I was like Plankton's wife who gets has like this roll around Karen <laughs> and her computer yeah. oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> or like nice. body cams which I suggested I'm like we should get the BT's body cams and they're like mm -hmm. and I'm like I'm so serious right now <laughs> I mean I it seems like it would work I don't see yeah. why it wouldn't mm -hmm. they have like GoPros now that you can strap to your body get one of those forehead GoPros yeah like right here exactly I see people with like those on their helmets when mm -hmm. they're skiing or snowboarding I'm like that's what I'm thinking so it's Okay, so it's in home and there's usually like an RBT or like a behavior tech there and then you're yeah. like on a video screen. Yeah. I've, oh, interesting. I've never done a session like I did at my old job where it's this one-on-one -on -one thing because mm -hmm. people are getting paid, I guess. And I mean, there is turnover, but I think not as much or they're just good at hiring people too. And also this company is in Utah, which is also interesting. Okay. So, okay. so do you guys see clients like all over the country? This company work. I specifically am Utah, U mm. Utah clients, but okay. there's, they work in three other states as well. Interesting. So it's not giant, but it's a pretty decently big company. So you said that this job sought you out so were you like approached by a headhunter and then you were like I'm gonna abandon ship and like find this new place out yep basically <laughs> <laughs> they sought me out on LinkedIn and I you know they told me what they were offering what the job entailed their their bonus plan I get quite a few emails on LinkedIn from headhunters I don't know I really I really like LinkedIn as a um, as the connection, job connection thing that it is. Social you hear that, Danny? Yeah, I don't have LinkedIn. I, I know. <laughs> I listen to the social media podcast 
a couple of weeks ago, but mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh yeah, Disney doesn't have it, but it's, it's really cool. If you have all your stuff updated, um, in your experience, they'll, people will find you. And especially for BCBAs, I think it's pretty easy to find a new job, but mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they reached out to me, scheduled an interview. All the interviews were done telehealth. Okay. Just telehealth. And I think, uh, well, I visited clients twice since I've been out there. I've been with the job. And they flew the whole telehealth team out in October of last year, a week to see all our clients. And then I think Thursday, Friday, we had a BCBA retreat at Snowbird uh, in Utah. That sounds fun. Yeah. There was hot tubs, which I really enjoyed. And we got a room to ourselves. I'm like, what? This is nuts. Okay. So working for a corporation is like. (laughs) Yeah. Pro for corporate. (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. Besides just paying your bills. (laughs) Yeah. Get some extra stuff too. Mm -hmm. Just like stuff I never, ever thought knowing the field. Mm-hmm. that that would be an option mm-hmm. you know just even working from home I'm like this is weird <laughs> I I don't meet many other telehealth BCBAs I mean I barely meet other BCBAs but the only telehealth ones I know are my co-workers do you feel like it's hard to connect with other BCBAs and your co-workers especially if you have like a client question or need some consulting with them I wouldn't say any I think any more than when I was in home, I feel like when I was in home, I didn't really have a ton of community. And at this company, we have, we really utilize teams and we, we have a all region BCBA chat and a telehealth team chat and my director's team chat whenever I have a question, I usually just comment on it. And then we do um, bi-weekly meetings. We can do case conceptualizations during those meetings. And I really liked that retreat that we had. That was super nice. And that, I mean, just those things was more than my in-home job had. We had bi-weekly meetings as well, but they were all over the computer because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that we're all over Denver and it's such a bitch driving around there. So they're yeah. just like telehealth. And so, and we'll telehealth meetings. And so that would give us more time to drive to our clients too. I feel so. like that really is a benefit in like a city setting. Yeah. That Danny couldn't utilize this too in like a rural area. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if like a BCBA can be mobile via telehealth i feel like it's cutting down on our like wasted indirect time exactly like letting us actually be more productive Mm -hmm. to get through things because it's not a drive time for us to swap from one rbt zoom meeting to the next right like we can just keep it going and then i feel like in a way that would create even better work-life balance Yes, exactly. You like the amount of time I have to do chores 
like at my house during the day is insanely higher and because because i have to keep 25 hours and then anything 25 hours a week build and if i do more that's when our bonuses kick in so i'm doing five billable a day or more i mean i have a ton of time for indirect mm-hmm. and I also feel like I don't have to do as much indirect because I'm in my office. I can print stuff and mail it to my clients, but also there's the way they have it set up. RBTs are able to go into the center and make their stuff as well. And I utilize um, slides and just online docs to for the rbts to use as stimuli instead of printing them out too it's nice that they can kind of like add that into prep time too Mm -hmm. because even if you mail something we know mail can get congested and the rbt can just be like all right i just need like 20 minutes to go print stuff off really quick and then i'm on my way right Mm -hmm. exactly so yeah quality of life i feel like for me has definitely gone up and just it's awesome the ability to do more things during my day so Annie, with having all of this exposure to telehealth ABA, would you ever consider going back to in-person? Yes, I, I definitely would. I think this is I think this telehealth position is definitely good for this time and season in my life. As you know, I can what what do I need for this job? I need my laptop and a space to be HIPAA compliant so no one can hear me and nobody yeah no one can hear me and my computer can't hear anybody else so there's been times where I'll just stay weeks outside my home you know on I've worked from New Orleans from Florida all over Colorado it gives me a lot of freedom So, but I do really miss being in home with the kids. I do really miss the connection that in-person has. And uh, it's such a double-edged sword because I also like telehealth because it gets me a little bit separated. Like you said, work-life balance. I'm not as connected to my clients as I was in my in-home position, but that's a good and bad thing because my last job just went through a family had a couple of really serious deaths in their family. And, you know, I took on that emotional trauma too. And, you know, I still, things aren't perfect at this job. You know, there's still kids with who have comorbidities and stuff like that. And, I I think I'm a little less sad than I think I would be if I was in home, but it's still upsetting, but just not as much as in home, but I do maybe an in clinic could be fun to do. I don't know. It really would just depend. I just couldn't see myself doing this forever. I have ADHD. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like uh, I, my mind is everywhere obviously (laughs) I think that is like it's really nice that I mean I do 
uh, follow you on social media too. So I am aware that you are also a frequent traveler. But it also makes me question, is your daily schedule kind of like the typical schedule? Like, is it like a eight to four? And then you are kind of like, even if you're traveling, you're locked in from eight to four every day? No, I don't think so. I One of the parts that I really like about this job is like today, I started at nine. And then if we have a personal appointment, we can just put it in our calendar. And like I had therapy after my first appointment today and I just put personal appointment. And as long as I'm getting all my hours, my boss doesn't bother me. So if I block out time and I have all my hours, that time is mine pretty much. Okay. So you actually have a flexible schedule for real in terms of anywhere across the week. And if you're getting your 25, you're fine. Yeah. So if I wanted to, so that's why this week is a little bit jam packed, but because it's the end of the month. So I'm working to get all my hours in, but like on Friday, I am billing two hours and I have a meeting for an hour and that's all I really have. And I just keep my teams on and answer that. And my my boss is just like, whatever, you're doing your job. I don't care. You know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds super flexible, super nice. Yeah, it is. It is really nice. You know, because I'm sure you guys have interviewed for jobs and they're like, you have a flexible schedule. But how fucking flexible is it when you have to drive everywhere or, you know, mm-hmm. do other things? <laughs> Right. You have to be there from nine to five. That's not flexible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was just raging about like an old employer saying that I had a flexible schedule, but I could never leave early because they always wanted us to have like an RBT meeting at the end of the day. Ugh, like, but the flexibility so is when I want to leave, not hold a, me- a meeting on Friday evening. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, God. Yeah. That's even worse. I had a previous employer who said it was a flexible schedule, but they provided us a work cell phone. We had to be reachable by phone between the hours of nine to five. (laughs) So it's like, well, then I might as well work those hours. Yeah. Right. Because as soon as I clock out, I'm not answering anything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, I do have a hard, like, like this week I'm working till 645 every day. Not every day, but on Wednesday and today, but usually my cutoff is six. I have teams set up, so I don't get notifications before 9 a.m. and after 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And my boss encouraged that, which is great. That I Setting love those that. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And the fact you know, that it was some, encouraged yeah. by your boss. I love that. Exactly. So I feel like there's a lot of companies who are like, yeah, set boundaries, but don't give us the tools to set those. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Okay, I can do that, but you know, who's telling? I don't know. I had a BT message me at 10 p.m. and I was just not answering them because I'm like, and they, oh no, they messaged me on the weekend and then I didn't answer. They doubled messaged me on a Sunday and I replied back on Monday. I'm like, I'm not answering your weekend chats. Right. And. 
they're like, oh, I thought you were salaried, so you work 24 7. I'm That's like, not what salaried means. That's definitely fast. not what salary means. Girl, Absolutely that means I work not. 40 hours a week. That's what I do. <laughs> like. That's it. And oh my gosh, I told my boss about that. And she was like, yeah, don't answer that. That's weird. <laughs> what <laughs> are you I mean- doing? Like the BT. She wasn't working that weekend. She cool. just had a question. Girl, enjoy your life. It's Sunday. Right. Calm down. I know it's I Lord's know. Day. Come on. <laughs> live in Utah. <laughs> so oh, Annie, man. what's can you give us like a favorite and a least favorite thing about working telehealth ABA? Favorite thing being able to travel, uh, mm-hmm. having more time in my schedule. And yeah, the flexibility and gosh, I there's so many things that I like about it. I think my least favorite thing is I think for it to work its best, I think a lot more factors come into play than they would being in a clinical setting or in an in-home or an in-home setting. Mm-hmm. So I've complained to my boss that, you know, there it's very context-based. So there's this client who is, is going to be totally made up, but like based on my issues, um, who is an older client and is on telehealth and their programming looks like social goals and flexibility, um, emotional self-regulation. So a lot of these more complicated ABA programs that honestly, I feel like a lot of BCBAs don't really know and aren't trained in that well. They put on fresh out RBTs onto these cases. Not even, maybe sometimes they're not even RBTs. So they're behavior technicians that are getting trained by my company being put on a telehealth team when they have had no previous experience and on a really hard case. But if they're on a case where it's like an early intervention case, it's a little bit easier. You know, you just talk about instructional control with holding reinforcers, um, promoting that functional communication where this is more you have to get involved in their social interactions and deal with a 14 year old tantruming and, and maybe you don't know what's going on. There's not a lot of whole antecedent behavior and it's more of those, you know, emotional reactions, which is something that I know we were all taught that that's not something we engage in. That's my least favorite part. The very complicated cases that, yeah. And so when I ask for support on that, there's not a whole lot you get for that. Do you feel like that's because telehealth, that this kind of like field within our field is so new that -hmm. people don't really know how to handle those more nuanced like situations? Yeah, I don't think it's, being taken into consideration as much as it should be Mm -hmm. um which i will applaud my company and 
because they have created groups for us to join in and kind of talk about our experiences as a telehealth BCBA. And I, I do think the case, the cases that I'm talking about are a little bit more niche and it's definitely something I can handle a little bit better because of specifically the training that we got at SIU and ACT and RFT. So, you know, I'm writing out these ACT scripts for for them to be like, I know doing chores are hard, but you tell me that you value your family and a clean house. And those are both things I need to work towards. And, you know, if we don't do it now, it's going to get worse later and your family's going to be mad at you. And the RBTs are like, what is this? <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen anything like this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's covered in the 40 hour RBT training. <laughs> no, oh, definitely not. not. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, it's an EO. <laughs> it's an establishing operation. That's yeah. what you're doing. And they're like, oh, not a preference assessment. I'm like, eh, this is just reminding them what they're into. Yeah. Um, that that's a very particular situation that I've had to deal with. I don't know about many other telehealth BCBAs, but I get put with these kind of clients specifically because of that stuff. And that's what happened at my last job too. Um, I was working with a 25 year old at my old job, going in home and doing independent living skills and stuff, which is, um, kind of different for in home I think wasn't really in my scope of practice so but that's the kind of clients I get because everyone knows that I'm the act person per se just like the only person who knows anything about it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? you're the, the one professional in Denver <laughs> well do you guys have like that experience too, where you, there's not a lot of people who even consider RFT or PEAK or ACT in their programming? I don't know. People are PEAK haters where I'm from. <laughs> um, My previous clinic, they had no formal programs that we used. And then when insurance would need something additional, everybody knew I was trained in peak so I always seem to have to do these extra assessments but believe me when I left I took all of my resources with me because I paid for those out of my out of my own pocket and I deleted any files so (laughs) they didn't do programming like they based a lot of stuff off of child development curriculum And because of that, the BCBAs are the ones who had to make sure that all of our programming was actually ABA and, like, evidence-based. So we had a lot of, I would say, more on-the-fly programming. Stuff I currently do is more, like, parent training. So I'm not – I work with a lot of teens. So Mm – and most of my teens – Only one of my clients actually has ASD right now. So I don't use a lot of like ASD programming, but in general, I am working with a more like neurodivergent population. So that might be like ADHD and all of its various comorbidities or like anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. uh, 
anything along that scope. So they're still neurodivergent, but a lot of times we were working on transition skills. We're working Mm -hmm. on those like typical coming of age, like teenage ADLs and independent (laughs) living skills. Like, how are you going to cook and prep your meals appropriately? Like, what's age appropriate for you? Um, In other regards, I'm working on, like, boundary programs or, like, consent programs with my other kids who seem Mm -hmm. to be on the the younger end of things. But none of those are necessarily, like, written programs because I'm giving more environmental protocols for the parents to implement Mm -hmm. and then, like, how to work through uh more extinction bursts or like previewing behaviors and like how to get more compliance that's not basically like program based yeah so that's why i seem to not necessarily be doing programs i know danny works with more adults so i don't that's cool well i mean it's not really appropriate for adults but i'll let danny talk about that (laughs) yeah no i work with only adults in order to live in a silla at least in the illinois you have to be 18 and you have to have an intellectual disability or autism, I think. So all of my uh, residents are at least 18, most older than that. And most have an intellectual disability. Like there's comorbid comorbidities with that, right? Bipolar, autism, mm-hmm. schizophrenia, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I don't know how to do PEAK. I've never done a DTT session. Wow. I've never yeah. done ABLES. Like I've everyone's never like, labels. oh my God, that's like top tier. I actually no. had one person not hire me because their uh, their clinic did ABLES. And she told me that because I was trained in peak, I would never be able to learn the ABLES. And that um, that was that I would be using peak my entire career. And I looked at her dead ass in the fucking face and said, you're telling a BCBA that she can't learn new content right that's wild but i was like fuck you you literally can't tell a bcba that they can't learn something new and expect me to be teaching other people this shit like right i was pissed and so like whenever you work with adults like those type of programs just aren't appropriate like yeah let me try to get a 22 year old guy to sit down and do a, a program like that with me it's not gonna happen right so most of my work is is more like an incidental teaching model, um, and it is 90% those soft, nuanced social skills. We do a lot of sex education and interpersonal relationships. We do a lot of tacting and managing feelings and regulation and dysregulation, stuff like that. I would say, if anything, Danny and I probably more loosely do like behavior skills training in like mm-hmm. a very That's organic cool. way. Yeah. Um, it has to be if I the, I have certain clients that if I tell them, hey, I'm coming in to do a behavior therapy session with you, they'll leave. Right. Like, they'll shut the door. They won't talk to me. Check but if out. we're just like chit chatting and I can throw in some stuff while we're chit chatting, but I don't call it therapy, they're down. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I have to explain so much to people like why I'm doing a certain thing or why some things make sense. I'm like, because of these behavioral principles not because some assessment told me to do it it's because like the guidelines we follow the principles philosophies all those like that's what we're doing philosophical doubt that's why i'm like i have so many people who do bb map 
and even I do BB maps sometimes when I'm like, um, this is outdated. And why does every why is everybody love Skinner still? I don't get it. I well, that's why, it. like, stuff like that is part of an FBA, but, like, yeah. the VB map is not is not your whole FBA. No. You know, hey. that's why we do more. And even, you were talking earlier about how you're kind of, like, the niche act kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like, in my experience and, in Mar- you know, from what I know of Mariah's experience, I feel like those t- sort of clients, like, the soft skills, social skills, interpersonal mm-hmm. relationship type clients, to, that's my norm. And I feel yeah. like that's more common than our graduate programs would have us believe. Like, oh, I feel yeah. like the oh, days definitely. of like DTT kids in a clinic is, I mean, it's still there. It's always going to be there, but there's, there's more need than that. And ABA can do more than that for people. Uh, totally. I- definitely. It's, I think the social skills aspect really comes into play when it's like, I've had clients graduate from graduate from like ABA clinics and now they're in like some kind of combination of like special education or maybe like a mixture of special ed and like gen ed, but they don't have any social skills. It's easy in a clinic to be like, oh, they're super sociable, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Are we just looking at like norm versus not norm? Because when you put this peer up to someone who's like the norm, you can really start to see the deficits. So if mm-hmm. you think that this kid's excelling in a clinic when everybody else looks like them and acts mm-hmm. like them, and then you put them in, you know, a more typical environment, that's not the case. And social skills are a lifelong skill. That's not mm-hmm. like a, hey, we're doing this once. It's like a, hey, we're doing this once for every situation you're ever going to be in throughout the entirety of your entire life (laughs) yeah I mean the skills you need to make friends at six years old is not the same skills you need at 16 to make friends right it's totally different set of skills I'm also having kind of troubles with my telehealth kids like a lot of them now are internet kids and it's like cool that's super easy to be social online when I can log on and talk to you at the same time every night and then I can seemingly do whatever I want the rest of the day. And like, you know, I can socialize as much as I want with you at a distance. But how do I generalize that to in-person socializing? Mm -hmm. It's like there's a real breach in that ability to generalize or like take it from offline to real life. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do? I mean, we're also seeing that very similar in like online dating to dating in real life, uh, people can't mm-hmm. get it together. Yeah, oh my gosh, I know. It's like <laughs> I am, am just like the lack of communication that is just accepted in society is insane. Wild. And even I can't tell you how many times I'd say to my partner, my friends, I'm like, use your words. Do you need <laughs> help? Do you need help? Mm-hmm. saying help I will help you <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have like come into that too and I'm just like then I am I find constantly find myself assessing how like wow maybe I could have been better at communicating something in that moment yeah. or I'm like mm-hmm. wow maybe my like family member just really has a deficit in communicating <laughs> or like 
<laughs> you know, it's like it's everywhere. And a lot of the stuff I do just with my clients, it's like, oh, okay, so this is a communication error. Like we just it's so easy to be taught and modeled how to communicate inappropriately. And then it's like just cue up the maladaptive behaviors. Oh yeah. So many people do that too. It's it's crazy. Right. I'm like, oh, I think I need to program some social goals for you. you know, <laughs> I'll run them. I'll run them in our conversations. <laughs> I mean, in there. it is really hard too to even try to like set that boundary with like a friend group or something when they have poor communication styles and mm -hmm. you're like, all right, how do I do this? And like, not come off as like a therapist trying to just be like, oh, I don't like this, but also please respect my boundaries. Cause I don't feel the way you're communicating is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is tough. I think, yeah, it's very tough, but I, I feel like when it comes to that sort of thing, you know, I think everyone should be doing that. You know, I just have the tools mm -hmm. and I can do them for myself, but I'm not going to make you do them with everybody else. I'm just like, if you have an issue with me or something, you're mad at me about something, just tell me and I'll tell you about <laughs> if I got issues with you. So, and you don't have to do that with anybody else, but like you said, Mariah, that, you know, that's my boundary. That's what I need. If you want to be friends with me. And if you don't want to do that, we don't have to be friends anymore. <laughs> right. Just cut them off, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I got toxic real quick. <laughs> that, well, cutting, sometimes you, know. you have to cut people off to keep your boundary intact. Yeah. Mm. Or just like lessen toxic. the frequency, lessen the frequency of, uh, you know, your presence and your time. Mm -hmm. I think. sounds like an extinction to me yeah just, just lessen the frequency until they're never there it's fade out <laughs> yeah thinning thinning the schedule the of schedule. reinforcement <laughs> it's sometimes necessary mm, that's true if you could give other bcbas listening some things to look out for when they're like interviewing for a fully remote position that they might not be thinking about what would you suggest Ooh, like yeah. red flags green flags mm -hmm. yeah i think my biggest one came from my trauma from my other job is the what does your direct care support look like um if they aren't there am i required to do direct care because how is that going to work do you have a plan or a uh, some sort of parent training to do that, which my company did. They um, they do Ruby parent training. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. Um, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything yeah. about it. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I haven't had to use it because my, besides that, besides worrying about my, my own business, I ask them what their RBT program looked like, the whole structure for the position. What does their pay look like? Are they hourly? Are they salary? Do they get PTO, benefits, coverage, sick time? Is there ways to move up in the company um, if they're not a BCBA? Because that's from so many other models, that's like the only thing, you know? So my company has multiple levels of RBTs that 
don't consider like the next step being the BCBA. So that was pretty important for me just in general, because I, the way RBTs are treated in the field, I'm, I'm like, this is, this is not like just a, this isn't just a job. You're dealing with people's autonomy and their, the way they interact with the world. Like this is really serious. So yeah, green flags is that they super support their RBTs and have a bunch of support systems for them and have contingencies if you don't make your hours or how they're going to support the tech that we need for the clients. Um, I, I asked about internet at the family's houses, like, because they're like, these are rural people in rural Utah. I'm like, is there internet? Like, how is that going to work? Are you going to support Oh, that's their a good internet? question. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? And what if they can't anymore? I think the big thing was that I'm not in charge of doing direct if there's no RBT. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest one. But I also didn't seek out this company. So <laughs> I don't know how many other companies are doing this. And... Mm -hmm. I feel really lucky to have this opportunity all the time, especially if there's some insurances that are taking away the telehealth authorization too. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Or they're just being a little bit more stingy with it. It just, it doesn't happen a lot, but Mm -hmm. it does happen. Yeah. And retention rates is something that I typically always ask for. Those are good questions, Annie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Thanks. sure. You're killing it. <laughs> yeah it's definitely come with my experience and the experiences of others that I hear about you know horror stories <laughs> that I hear about and you I feel like this field you have to be so careful because Mm -hmm. I mean we know BCBAs know how to talk And people who run companies know how to talk even better. So you have to ask the right questions. Right. I always say, like, if people ask me a question, I know I can usually guess what, you know, kind of answer they're expecting to get out of me. But if you don't ask it the like appropriate way to get to that answer, I'm going to give you something super general, like basic. I'm really not going to give you any details. I hundred think percent. Mm we kind of get that skill too by like not giving up our like client confidentiality in some ways, but I use it all the time. I'm not telling you anything I don't need to tell you. So, Mhm. Mm I mean, that being said, employers definitely do the same thing. mhm. Mm <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like you have to know how to actually ask a question to get the content of the answer that you're looking to get. Mhm. Yeah. Exactly. And also, you know, you can say I could have just asked am I in charge of direct care? And they could have been, they could have said no, or just like, of course not. You know, you, I don't know. I don't know what they would have said, but it's these things that are in place to make sure that I, I'm not doing direct coverage. And same with if I was in home or in a clinic, you know, 
how are you treating these people so I don't have to do direct coverage, mm -hmm. direct, direct work with not that I don't like it, but that's not my job. That's not mm -hmm. why I went to grad school for two years. It's definitely a different vibe when you're BCBAing and then you get swapped on a direct client because mm -hmm. your employer can't handle the turnover rates of like your direct care staff exactly which is just it throws a wrench in your day and then it puts you more behind on the stuff you're probably already behind on from mm -hmm. your caseload anyways mm -hmm. which it's like yeah I don't I think it would be a red flag for a BCBA to say that they like loathe doing direct work but also <laughs> it's very understandable to be a little miffed at the idea of you like jumping on a client directly more often than like I would say like once or twice a year or something like there's mm -hmm. an issue there if you repeatedly cannot find coverage to mm -hmm. give direct therapy to the bcba yeah. can keep with the you know equilibrium of what their job's actually supposed to be that's yeah. not to say too that like the bcba should be jumping in and modeling how to do stuff for the therapist that's one thing yeah. But to be running the whole thing and then like billing insurance separately and just kind of yeah. like navigating through all of that, it's, yeah. it definitely throws a wrench and stuff. It's not very productive. Exactly. And then you're, you know, should you be billing the program modification code, you know, if you're not modifying programs? And right. so if you're not doing that, you're not getting as much money and it's just like this vicious cycle you know if you can't pay your rbts enough you're gonna end up losing money anyway yeah i mean this is a little bit of a foreign language to me because to me like direct yeah. care means something different but what mm -hmm. i'm thinking is like so for me direct care in a home might be like feeding toileting showering okay. so like of course, I'm going to jump in and help out if I need to model or if we're short staffed or whatever. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the company doesn't want me to do that because the code that they bill for, uh, for like direct care, still a home care, they don't make enough money on that to pay a BCBA to do that. So the company, mm -hmm. if I were to go in and work an eight hour shift, the company's losing money on that. Oh, they're yeah. imagine it's money. the same way for a clinic. Yeah. So like, that's not good for anybody to do that. Yeah, I think some run insurances that way. have a code that says it's for like BCBAs running direct. Mm. But yeah. then, you know, Annie has the question like, are you just billing as basically an RBT? And then, I mean, there's some insurance who won't let you double bill. So usually no. a BCBA, if you're supervising, you can bill for supervising the rbt or behavior tech or whatever and that behavior tech rbt is billing for doing programs some insurances yep. won't let you bill at the same time so they'll either As take the bcba off or the rbt oh really so then, that's how it is in colorado yeah so it's like wild you might still like you're still getting paid per mm -hmm. your company but the mm -hmm. company is still losing money every time that like you have to supervise and you can't mm -hmm. get away from not supervising because that's not ethical. That's a, so they yeah, have that's to take like a, a loss weird, somewhere. The, I mean, I know that that's insurance. So whatever, they're not trying to pay any money at all. But yeah, ethically, <laughs> like 
That's like incentivizing less supervision. <laughs> My favorite part of being a VCV is insurance. That <laughs> no one ever. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Annie, and talking to us about all of your fun telehealth stuff and some not some not so fun telehealth stuff. Yeah, of course. Like life's not perfect, you know. We make the best out of it. Not everyone likes. Well, I try. It's like, does anyone really? Is there a perfect job out there? (laughs) Especially in our field, you know. (laughs) That's probably true. That's totally fair. (laughs) Like, I, I feel like I lucked out, and I think it's very viable for so many people and so many populations that. Yeah, I hope more people hop on it and we, you know, technology is getting so advanced and stuff. Who knows what we'll be doing? I think there's a lot of room for improvement for anything. If we don't talk about it, then nothing ever gets solved. Communication. Good good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really tried. (laughs) Keeps me going. Gets me out of bed in the morning, seeing the bright side. Um, Danny, mm. do you want to start off with our bits and bobs? Then we'll go to Annie. Yeah, for sure. So my bits and bobs recommendation this week is a grocery store that I love. Um, it's Aldi, which I think was originally like a German grocery store. I don't know. It's here in the States. They're not everywhere. So I do feel um, privileged to live close to one. But if you do live close to an Aldi and you've never gone, I feel like it's worth a try. We all know like food prices in 2023 have been nuts, crazy. But I will say I feel like my partner and I have not noticed a major change in our food budget week to week. Aldi is kind of that's what they're known for is lower Mm -hmm. prices because they don't do name brands. They have like less employees in the store. They, I don't know, they've got a lot of ways of cutting costs, but they also just as a company pay their employees well. They have a reputation for treating their employees well. Um, Overall, it's a good company to support. So if, you know, if any of our listeners are noticing higher food and grocery prices, it's just an alternative to get, I think it's worth a try. I love Aldi. Me too. They've made a lot of changes over the last few years. They've added more organic options, more gluten-free mm-hmm. options, more vegetarian and vegan options. They I've also do that they do a lot of dairy-free. They've been expanding their dairy-free, yeah, a lot of that. I used to uh, work with a, a client years ago who was on like a pretty strict diet, and um, I worked with him at a community day services program. So we would do like cooking classes and stuff. I would go to Aldi to get the food for his class because I knew they were more reliable than other grocery stores as far as having those gluten-free, dairy-free options for that person. What about you, Annie? Do you have a recommendation for us? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> like, what, oh, have, okay. what have I been into? Um, I recommend camping with an air camping. mattress. Oh, Okay. I love that. Um, <laughs> specifically with the air mattress, because I coming to Colorado, I, you know, wanted to do all the Colorado things. And I'm like, 
I'm going to get fancy sleeping bag, a fancy pad, sleeping pad, mm-hmm. tent. And then I started going to camping festivals out here. And That's a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is oh, an Annie's world. Wow. Yeah, I've been kind of getting into, there's like, I've been going to like regional Burning Man events. Mm-hmm. So like one in Austin, one in uh, New Orleans and like a few in Colorado as well. So, but this is an overall thing, but we're like air mattress. Mm-hmm. Got a bigger tent, got a bigger air mattress. And I'm like, this is living. This is wonderful. Under the stars, my phone is completely useless out here. You know, just camping and being comfy as hell under the stars, under blankets. That's my recommendation with no one to talk. I mean, like, yeah, camp with your friends, stay safe. Um, know your shit before you do it but just being somewhere comfy as hell and not having to deal with the world outside of that is my recommendation it makes me happy and maybe that's part of the optimism ignorance is bliss part but you know we got nothing else to do on the weekends it's like I really like disconnecting and being under the stars recently in the summertime not in the winter but and being comfy I noticed that I loved well I've always loved camping but mm-hmm. adding an air mattress once I hit 30 ooh, ooh, never <laughs> been the same I mean I don't have any like physical ailments typically but I just feel like once you're 30 I have no business sleeping on the ground with that rock hitting me in the part of my back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who needs it? Who needs it? If you can car camp and bring your air mattress, do it. You know, I don't want, that's also why I'm recommending this. Cause if anyone in Colorado or who are in these, you know, outdoorsy circles, get the air mattress, stop sleeping on a mattress pad, be comfy, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> For sure. I mean, why make your life harder? Exactly. You're already in the woods. Right. You're already peeing outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mariah, do you have a recommendation for us? Of course. Let's hear my it. Bits and Bobs this week is my basic Kindle. I actually think I have the Kindle Paperwhite like 2022 version. They haven't updated it in a while, but I think this year they did. Danny can be my fact check on that one. But Kindles are great, especially if you're reading. If you're disconnecting, you can still carry a book. Um, If you're traveling and you don't want to carry the weight of like a thick physical book or... If you're like me, I personally like paperbacks. And then when I travel, the paper like covers seem to get destroyed a little bit more easily just with the jostling around. So if you're a paperback mm-hmm. friend um, and you can get the version on your Kindle, that's like top notch. I also feel like I 
Really love the aspect of Kindle that if you're on Wi-Fi, you can have the Kindle app on your phone, at least on Apple, and your Kindle app open Mm -hmm. on the Kindle, and then they'll sync up. So recently I was traveling and I would just like, I was absorbed into this book. But then we'd go out to eat and I wasn't really like in the dinner conversation. So I'd bring up my Kindle app on my phone and just keep reading where my partner was like, are you seriously reading right now? I was like, bro, I'm not engaged in the conversation. I might as well be reading. Nobody thought it was (laughs) super rude because I really was not in the conversation. But that's a nice little feature of the Kindle. There's also different information the Kindle will give back to you. So it learns your reading speed and will tell you you have X amount of time left in this chapter. It You can like highlight and bookmark in the Kindle also and then reference back to it. And mm-hmm. I recently learned of a Kindle hack. I borrowed a ebook from the library. I did not finish my book before my 21-day library reservation was on my kindle but i never closed out of my book in the kindle and like swapped to another book and then i put my kindle on airplane mode so i still technically have a copy a digital footprint copy of that book um in the e-reader version but as soon as i take my kindle off of airplane mode and let it reconnect back to my wi-fi it'll disappear so I've more or less like preserved it to finish the few I have like seven chapters left out on the e-reader version. And then I'll just update my Kindle by taking it off airplane mode, reconnecting to Wi-Fi, and then I'll download another copy of whatever I want to read. I am also that doing cool. that right now. <laughs> it has been a game changer Life because mm-hmm. I just... I am obsessed with it, so I'll probably be utilizing that a lot more in my Kindle future. And it's nice because if you, like, I did that with the Libby app, the book, like, Libby still thinks the book is returned, so the next person still gets it. So you're not, like, holding up the line doing it. Your Kindle just can't communicate with Libby because it's on airplane mode. Absolutely. nobody gets hurt. That's what I did. So like next next person's reading this same book as me still. Mm-hmm. And I'm just finishing it up in bliss on my e-reader living life. <laughs> it's wow. pretty sweet. Um, Danny, can you confirm mm. if there was a new Kindle release this year? Didn't you get one for Prime? Because I, I did... think mine's the Kindle Paperwhite from 2022. Yeah, so they did update it a little bit. Um, Now the Prime is, I think, like the cheapest one you can get. And then there's a couple other above that. There's like the signature version that comes in different colors. There's one, I think there's one that's a little bit larger. And there's one that has like a side section that has physical buttons to turn pages. Mm-hmm. They have a kid's version. There's a couple different versions. Right now, Paperwhite is like the new standard, though. Um, if anybody is thinking about getting one, I realize this episode's going to drop in December, but I highly recommend waiting for either like a Black Friday or a Prime Day deal because for the last several years, they have historically been between 40 and 60% off on Prime Day, usually around half off. Wow. Just throwing that out there. 
All right. Well, Annie has been our last guest of our first year of podcasting. Wow. So blessed to be the season finale. Thanks for listening today. You can find us on Instagram at Behind Behavior Pod, on Facebook at Behind Behavior. Or if you're old school, send us an email at contactbehindbehavior at gmail.com. Smell you later. Bye.